Hello, everybody. Welcome to Generation Loss, the show about movies with me, Bryn, and Jeremy. What's going on, everybody? How it's Jeremy. <laughs> we're doing we're doing Gen Loss. <laughs> Yo, it's fucking Jeremy. <laughs> we're drinking whiskey. What the fuck's going on, everybody? It's uh, <laughs> it's a scotch that I got for my birthday last year that I never touched. Amazing. Because scotch tastes like gasoline most of the time. Do you think that? Yeah, I don't like it very much. It's oh, like too I'm a big scotch fan. Really? You like a single malt? It's like a blend. What do you like? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like I like I mean like I like everything from, you know, Glenn Livet. Like I've had some rich guy bought me like a $300 glass of scotch once. Jeez Louise. Um Long me, st- I like I like everything from Glenn Livett to Glenn Fittich. <laughs> but that's a I- that's a Scotch joke for you people out there. Who- <laughs> but I also like um, just like J and B bullshit. Like if I have, right. if I have to have a choice, it's like Johnny Walker Red. I'm like, that's fine. I think in the hierarchy of of whiskeys, it's definitely my lowest. I prefer you know rye. bourbon, rye, yeah. Irish. Like all of them are better to me <laughs> than Scotch. Um, <laughs> But I have this bottle of scotch that my employer got me for my birthday last year. And it's about Very to be nice. my birthday again. And I figured I should probably start drinking this at some point. <laughs> so otherwise, <laughs> it's just going to sit on my shelf collecting dust. Oh, you haven't even opened it? I opened it like this week. Was it like one of those things that was like, oh, this is too special? No, no, not at all. It's oh, just one just of those like, things where I'm just like, I don't, yeah, I don't like scotch. <laughs> so I'm like never in the mood to drink it. So it just sits there. And now I'm like out of all the other good ones, and all I have oh, left no. is like vodka. And I'm like, I don't drink vodka regular. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's also freezing. Not 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 really not great exactly, time to go uh, get. Not not vodka weather. Yeah, unless you're Russian. Unless you're Russian. Yeah. In which case, although people, do, they, bars have like those, you remember like ice rooms? Do you ever go to an ice yes. room? Ooh, there's a Bavarian bar in Manhattan mm-hmm. <laughs> that has like a swing and they're always playing Bavarian music. Yeah. Um, and it like looks like it's in a a loft or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have one of those like ice caves where you put on like a, like a Soviet hat and coat and then like go into there and you can drink as much vodka as you can in 30 minutes or something. Yeah. That shit rules. <laughs> I love that kind of thing. Like it's stupid and corny, but it's like pretty cool still. Yeah, I like to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm paying $50 so I can not wake up tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, come on. We all like a novelty. Um, Oh my god! I'm a huge sucker for a novelty, <laughs> like a novelty drink, like a on no- anything, like a novelty party, a novelty mm-hmm. drink. I went to this one like concept party where it was a warehouse that they divided by a wall, and w- it was like two different countries, and one was like a like a fascist dictatorship, and the other was like like, but it was like opulent, and mm-hmm. but then the other one was like where all the poor people lived, so it was like an apartheid state. Okay. And you had to have a passport that you could like buy um, with like the fake money that was floating around. It was uh-huh. crazy. <laughs> and but it's the, also a party? <laughs> it was a party because there was like different bars on either side and there was like a dance floor that was and so sort if of you like, wanted like the nice, if you wanted the nice cocktails, you had to go over to the other side. Yes. And then at the end of the, uh, yeah, there was like beer and swill. And then if you went, you had to like pay the fake money or like bribe a guard or flirt with mm-hmm. the guard to like get to the nice area where they had pool and like casino games and like fancy drinks. And then at the end of the night, like basically they fomented a revolution and we all tore the wall down. That's fun. <laughs> it was fun. That's a fun end to that sort of thing. 
Yeah, it was, uh, and then you know, it was really a good time. Um, I find that I actually hate a novelty for the most part. I think <laughs> like general, that sort of party. I feel like I would be very annoyed at that party, and I'd <laughs> probably leave pretty quick. <laughs> it was really strange because like they were like the guards were very serious that if you didn't have the right passport, you couldn't get through. Yeah, no, I get it. Like I feel like though, if I were in that situation, they were like, "You can't come through here." I'd be like, "I'm." Not, it, it, you're like, bro, we're in Brooklyn. Stop me. <laughs> like, stop me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to walk through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not a, you're not much of an actor. You don't like to play the game. Yeah. You, well, but also, like, they didn't arm these guys. <laughs> they were not armed. Well, were they big? Were they bouncers they at were, least? They were big guys, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they look like they could beat you up. I think Still, they had bouncing clubs. is already <laughs> bouncing is already a questionably legal practice. I don't think that they could bounce you from half of a novelty party. Speaking of um, media, the thing that this show is about. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you watched the fifth season of Eric Andre? No. Oh, there's like a, and I think he's done this character before, but there's quite a few care, uh, quite a few bits of it uh, where he's Mike Penis, okay. <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> He's like this this like party kid who's got like a pink button down and he's just like going to like really high class clubs in New York City mm-hmm. and being like I'm Mike Penis. My dad owns this club. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like fucking with the bouncers until they either let him in or threaten to beat his ass. That <laughs> rules. And he does get fucking clocked one. Do you know who my fucking dad is? I'm Mike Penis. Dave Penis. <laughs> it's really good. Did you ever watch Bad Trip? No, I didn't end up watching it. Did okay. it come out? It came no, out? No, I put it on the Plex for you. Oh, shit. No, I, I gotta watch that. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of things we've already talked about, uh, the thing I watched this week, besides Minecraft videos mm-hmm. <laughs> about how to build redstone contraptions, because I'm down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> they added bees, and I'm like, I got to figure out how to automate honey. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do in Minecraft? Do you like actually build like crazy stuff? Or no, no, no. You, like- I am absolutely not a creative player in that way like i don't care i don't get ideas i'm Uh not like ooh, what if i built the statue i don't know damn i thought we'd finally have something to talk about (laughs) no i would (laughs) so like when i when i first got into minecraft back when it was in beta Mm -hmm. it was fun to follow blueprints like there would be other people who'd be like we're gonna make i spent some time in the big server that was creating a one-to-one um enterprise Mm -hmm. and then you just like follow you know you go to like the spreadsheet and you like you're in this area and then you like just you need these blocks and then you just make it and you just work right um and that was very fun but in terms of like making up my own designs i don't i'm not interested i just go down in the mines and look for stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so i'm in the middle of like building an enchantment table i i've got it you can do enchantments now and there's like you can go to the other realm. There's like a the nether, which is like the hell area where you get right. the even crazier materials to build even crazier stuff. But there's now redstone, which is like electronics. So you can like make calculators and like autom- automate stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's where I'm getting really <laughs> sucked into it where I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I could make iron by like this crazy contraption of how the fucking game works. 
what the fuck? I my buddy made <laughs> a scale model of the college that we went to. He made like the Hunter College buildings. Oh my god! <laughs> just by himself too. That's the craziest part. He didn't have like a server. Of, like, like by memory. I think just like he probably looked at like Google Earth and just kind of like vibed it out. It wasn't <laughs> perfect, but I mean, like you look at it and you're like, that's Hunter. Yeah. Wow, that sounds kind of fun. And I mean, ultimately, it's not that crazy because Hunter is, you know, at its. It's just like a couple of gray blocks. Like, it's not like a very complex <laughs> building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've already sunk like probably 100 hours into it, like within the year. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I just got back into it. Right. Um, after probably almost a decade of not playing. Um, so now you're making me feel like I could make houses and places I've lived. And now I'm getting. Now you're just going to make me sink even more hours into it. <laughs> I think I have possibly. 900 hours in city skylines this year seems right (laughs) (laughs) considering what you made (laughs) damn i was just that's a lot of hours (laughs) (laughs) it's so many hours but it's fun time it Um, is fun i like it a lot (laughs) (laughs) but the only other thing i watched besides minecraft videos was uh the hustler Oh, yeah. So you started watching The Hustler. Yeah, you started yeah. texting me about it almost instantly. <laughs> it just was a made it's for me. It's the best show. Yeah. It's the absolute best game show they've I ever made. I applied to be on it. You did? I did. Send me the form. I didn't I didn't look for it. I forgot that I wanted to. <laughs> I would love to lie my ass off. Oh, my God. I would love it so much. They're not going to let us on because they're going to be like, no, you like it too much. Yeah, you love we it can't, too much. We can't like, let you do this. Yeah, you little freaks. <laughs> you don't care the best part is like i want to do it and i want to like have like a really high stakes lie like i want to really push it to see how far it can take the lie Mm -hmm. (laughs) well like i don't want it to be an easy one where it's just like you know i'm not a copywriter and podcaster actually i'm a um i'm a film producer and um and a uh youtuber you know i don't want to do that i want to be like i'm a defense contractor yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i actually am a um I'm a project manager for Raytheon. <laughs> I'm actually in the CIA. <laughs> that one lady was. Yeah. That was fucking insane. <laughs> I'm actually a professional killer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have trafficked hundreds of thousands of dollars of oh, cocaine. Yes. Even better. I'm a human trafficker. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and also they ask you so much stuff on the application of like mm-hmm. where did you go to school and what were your last three jobs and like what was the f- you know how do you like this job and i was just like immediately like i'm gonna lie yeah, of course <laughs> <laughs> if you're already lying from the get-go <laughs> like what they know what they think they know about you is itself a lie and then it would be great because then you can um when they ask the questions about your life, you don't know the answer. <laughs> you don't have to pretend. You're just like, I honestly don't fucking know. Excellent long game. Yeah, incredible. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about because you didn't listen to the last episode, there's a new show on like ABC or something. It's on ABC, yeah. Um, with Craig Ferguson as the host. Who I love. Um, he's, he's very charming on this show. I didn't like him as a late night host. Love him on this. Craig Ferguson was always my favorite because he had the most surreal jokes. Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole one where he had like that skeleton guy. 
Do you remember he was like band leader was just a puppet oh. <laughs> that was a skeleton and he was like a gay man <laughs> 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 who had like weird like vacation homes in every place. That's um, fun. It was a weird show. Um but I liked him and I always thought he was funny. So it's a it's a it's a show where you lie and you the the person who lies the best basically wins. And Jeremy told me about it last episode and I watched all of it. Because well, it's only five episodes. It's only five episodes so far. Um, and boy are they episodes it's though. It's so fun. <laughs> it's a very like it's a rewarding watch. You know what I mean? Like you really they they do such a good job casting it in such a way that like I don't think I've ever gotten it from like the jump. I don't think I've ever like there's never been one where like from the beginning I'm like that's who it is and I've been oh. right. I on the most newest one I knew it was the guy, but I got really I I got really tricked because mm-hmm. I knew it was that guy right at the jump and then I doubted myself and, oh, then, and then like you, right like, at the end I was like no yeah. maybe it's not um there's been some where I was just like if it's if it's if that person is the hustler Everything I know about life is wrong. And it was. <laughs> <laughs> the second episode was just like so insane. Whichever I one it was, you watched the fifth it. element 50 times and, and it wasn't the person that you thought it was. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, how you? Uh, Why would you watch that 50 times? It's a great movie, <laughs> but 50? I've seen some movies 50 times, but only when I was a kid. Like, Yeah, exactly. I've, That's the thing is it, it's repeat viewing is something you do as a child. Yes. You don't do it anymore unless you're a a mental case yeah and that that goes for you <laughs> listener yeah, if you're listening to this and you're currently like throwing on a comfort movie you're a fucking psychopath you're a fucking child is what you are <laughs> grow up <laughs> join us in the fucking real world where we talk into a microphone <laughs> on the computer yeah we hang on our basement that we live in <laughs> join us in the real world where we make little model cities and talk about how who we imagine lives there yeah we do our actual job of electrical engineering but lamer <laughs> for fun <laughs> and that's what adults do <laughs> Oh, oh boy! Man. All right. So, what did you watch this week? So, I watched a couple of things. Uh, one of them I posted about, but I just wanted to very briefly touch on. There's a channel called um, Gems on VHS on YouTube, and Ooh. it is a um, it's like a young filmmaker character who uh, he does these field recordings and like very atmospheric music videos, essentially of these folk artists, these like country folk artists uh, really? who are just kind of like independent artists, right? And um, the joke that I had posted about it is that, like, you watch these videos and you can very plainly see that every single one of these people used to be a crust punk. And because, oh, yeah, like, yeah, it'll always be somebody in, like, a like a real, like, honky tonk outfit. Like, he's wearing, like, a leather vest with, like, a sheriff's badge and a cowboy hat. He's playing in front of the city hall in Missoula. And <laughs> <laughs> he's singing, like, some song about, like, dying on a mountain. And uh-huh. then, like, the camera will pan around and he has, like, a huge tribal face tattoo. <laughs> And, like, every single one of these videos functions the same way, (laughs) where you're like, oh, like, woman in a sparkly outfit holding a mandolin, singing about, like, a horse she had as a child, and then it, like, pans around, 
tattoo right next to her eye. Yeah. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Yeah. Hand tattoos of arrows and shit. Exactly. Yes. Arrows (laughs) and like maybe like a gun. (laughs) Yeah. Like syringes and stuff. Yeah. Um, Just like all the obvious tells. Yeah. (laughs) You were sitting in St. Mark's two years ago with a three-legged dog. (laughs) Um, I I watched, I got down a whole rabbit hole with this channel and I ended up like finding this like folk punk band that like did like busking like street busking in boulder colorado and like it's like seven people and they have like a washboard and like a tub thing and whatever and like literally everybody in that band is on this channel now doing like some (laughs) honky-tonk shit about being a sheriff in arizona (laughs) wait people you knew no no people from this band that i found the video of Uh uh, are all like the people who populate this channel now gems and vhs i see (laughs) but that all being said it's actually a really excellent channel and i highly recommend checking it out if you like you know, Americana, sort of like folksy country music. Like, if you like that sort of thing, this is the coolest channel you could find because, like, these songs are all pretty damn good. Like, these are people who, like, you know, tour as, you know, independent artists. Like, they're, you know, hard-working musicians who actually know how to play, you know? Like, it's uh-huh. not... Like, a lot of... I feel like a lot of, like, country music especially, like, kind of falls into, like, very repeatable, like, easy tropes mm-hmm. that just make a lot of it just sound bland and generic and whatever. And these are people who have toured as, like, you know, punk bands and whatever. So, like, they know, you know, they know what they're doing. They know how to write a song. Anyway, good songs, pretty good songs, at least. The cool thing, though, is that it's, like, it's this sort of an idea where you're, like, I don't know why this isn't more common in the genre, mm. where it's, like, a field recording of them. So, it's, like, just very like in the room in the present like there's no studio effects it's just like guy with a guitar singing no amplification no microphones nothing Hmm. and you're like well it's a it's an acoustic medium it makes sense that you would record it this way and then because of the fact that it's just acoustic guitar and voice you can take it absolutely anywhere and so the way that this guy shoots them is so cool where it'll be like a guy singing in the middle of like a fucking cornfield and then he's just like doing these like huge like cinematic pans around him as he's just singing this song and whatever and like you just like forget about the song entirely because you're just like god damn this guy's really pretty (laughs) (laughs) is it on vhs why is it called that I don't know. I think maybe it started on VHS or something like that. It does. It definitely looks digital now. Um, Right. Like maybe at some point he transitioned out of doing it on film or something. But um, it's pretty damn cool, though. And there's a couple of real bangers that I've like, like I have just listened to on repeat now because they're just good songs. So it's like basically it's like a really lo-fi folk punky country like audio tree like it's mostly music videos or is it like a lot of interviews too it's no no interviews it's all music videos they'll start with like maybe one or two seconds of interview where they're just like yeah this is a song about traveling Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) this is a song about my grandpa who i had a bad relationship jumping on a train not train riding traveling (laughs) regular style traveling (laughs) legally (laughs) <laughs> um yeah it's very interesting and then they'll play the song and whatever um yeah so like but, a little uh, audio tree kind of deal yeah uh-huh and um and, but the great thing is that it's not punk at all like all these songs are extremely folk extremely country like 
they're trying really hard. Like, that's the funniest part about it for me is that, like, they are trying really hard to present themselves as, like, no, we're not doing, we're not doing, like, folk punk about, like, I'm mad at the fucking people who sneer at me because I smell and jump on trains. <laughs> you know, right. like, I'm mad at capitalism, the end of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like... Which I am, yeah, but... Yeah, but it's, like, it's people singing about, like, I have typhus. <laughs> I'm running from the sheriff because yeah, I've got black to to lung. S- <laughs> the dust bowl took everything from me. <laughs> I made a lot of money selling shovels <laughs> to the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's something I've been watching this week. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, sort of like a duo of things that I've watched, which okay. is uh, a series called Up to Speed with Speed Levitch. Speed Levitch. Yeah. Uh-huh. From Waking Life. From Waking Life and from um and he particularly was on Turner reflective and Hooch. moments of self. Not I Turner like to go Hooch. salsa uh, dancing with my confusion. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> um what is he he was on that um adult swim show. Um not Turner and Hooch, but it's like Turner and Hooch is the Tom Hanks movie with the big Stroker dog. and Hoop. That's what oh, it was called. Yeah, yeah. You could see how I could get that wrong. Yeah, it's the same thing, basically. Star but he's in a bunch Hutch. of um, he's in a bunch, bunch of Link Ladder movies, and there is a documentary about him from like the late '90s uh, called The Cruise, the Cruise, which is one of my favorite documentaries. That I I put it on our list for uh, when it starts getting warmer. Spoilers, we'll watch it. yeah. Um, but so up to speed with Speed Levitch. I've actually is a, never seen it. I always wanted to. The Cruise. Oh, you're gonna love it. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, very, it's barely a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's very old New York. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the 90s, but it's like, it's pre-9-11 New York, and it's really just Speed talking like an insane person for 90 minutes. Because he's, is he crazy? What's his deal? He's, so he's, Speed Levitch, for those who are unaware, is a guy who is basically just like a, he's professionally weird and from New York. Right. That's his whole thing. And and I watched it as a duo with uh, Pretend It's a City, which is a documentary series about um, Fran Lebowitz, who is oh, also yeah. professionally weird and from New York. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we I kind of watch them as like counterbalances to each other mm-hmm. uh, because Fran Lebowitz represents this like very bougie version of being like weird and from New York. And Speed Levitch is like a, uh, uh, he's like a waiter most of the time. Right. And he's a tour guide and that's his main thing. And so Up to Speed is a show where he, um, he presents himself as a tour guide. He's like, I'm a tour guide professionally, and this is a show about being a tour guide, and I'm giving tours of places. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the thing, right? And um, each episode is in, like, a different place. So the first one is San Francisco, and then it's Chicago, and then it's Kansas and Missouri, then it's Virginia, then it's New York, and then there's one about being a tour guide. And it's just he interviews tour guides in all those different places that he went to about the trade <laughs> of being a tour guide. Okay. <laughs> But so what's fascinating about the show is so Speed Levitch is is crazy. He is a crazy He's a weird person. guy. Yeah, he's like some sort of just like old Jewish hippie who may be gay, but maybe not. And is just kind of like wild and talks like a mile a minute in mm-hmm. like weird poetry. Like everything he says is just weird poetry. And you're like, how do you think like this? <laughs> everything you what say is like to this. You? <laughs> yeah, like he must have snapped his brain on acid or something. That's the only thing that makes sense. Right. So the first episode is in San Francisco. 
and this is why I wanted to bring it up is it's really fascinating because the first episode's in San Francisco and it's all him just like walking around and being like, look at this. It's a weird place that they, that the, it's a, it's a weird house that's got like furniture flying out the windows, but it's like attached to the building. So it always looks like it's falling. Woo. And you're like, all right, cool. So it's like a weird tour of offbeat stuff in San Francisco. That's fun, but whatever, you know, uh-huh. who cares? The second episode is in Chicago and it's all about capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> He's just exclusively talking about the labor movement, and he's nice. showing you like over here is a place where Emma Goldman hung out, and like this is a built, <laughs> this is a statue of of the cop that was killed at the Haymarket, and they blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's him, right? He's doing it's, all the talking. Yeah, yeah. It's just him. It's literally him doing a tour. So he's like walking around these places. He has like a fake tour of, of people who are with him, right? Um, and he'll do these scenes where he'll like talk to a tree and he'll be like, this tree is like the oldest tree in the park. What's going on tree? And then the tree will be like, Oh, just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> but he like knows all this stuff. See, cause mm-hmm. I've never really thought of him as like a historian or like anyone. He's just like a rambler, but he's a rambler. Is he also kind of like knows stuff. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a tour guide. He like, oh, yeah. so the cruise is, about him when he was a tour guide at the beginning like he's he just did bus tours of new york and just became well known for being just this wacky dude (laughs) just people were like i'd love to get a tour from him i guess because he like you gotta understand it's not like a it's not a special tour that he does he works for the big red bus you know (laughs) like he's on the double decker bus driving around it's just regular tourists like eating chicken in a basket just like looking at the empire state building and he's just like the empire state building a dirty slut trying to cover her shame (laughs) (laughs) and people like wait what (laughs) Like, the grid pattern is the last vestige of our puritanical past. An oppressive reminder every day that you can never escape becoming what your parents wanted you to be. (laughs) So just imagine this sort of stuff. This sort of stuff is just like, it's said in like half a second amidst like 90 more things also of that level of just like weird, strange ways of expressing stuff. And you're just like, it'll... the it'll be him saying that and then it'll like pan around to just like some fat tourist just like <laughs> looking at him just like okay cool so that's the empire state building good to know now i know about it yeah i, I from the little i've known about him it, it's been a little bit hard to wrap my head around his like ideology or like mm-hmm. where he's coming from as a person cuz he has a lot of like kind of wooey like armchair uh, psychology stuff but then some stuff he says that I'm like oh what are you saying like what does it mean <laughs> yeah, um, uh-huh. and so I never really like did you have you felt do you feel like you've gotten a handle on like what his worldview is I mean he's definitely a leftist he's he's an old hippie so he's like yeah. from some era of like I think that he comes from some sort of a like yippie sort of a background like an Abby Hoffman type Mm-hmm. Um, like he definitely seems like he has some sort of left ideology. I just think he also has like torn layers off of his brain with psychedelics <laughs> over the years. And so like halfway between that and then just saying nonsense poetry and then, right. you know, sometimes it's just regular nonsense. 
Well, it sounds um, fascinating. <laughs> it's a very good show, though. It's very enjoyable. And um, it's at least a very interesting perspective. And like the amount to which he doesn't shy away from the fact that he is a tour guide. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it seems like a lot of these types of shows. We talked about this when we talked about Somebody Feed Phil. Um, oh, yeah. Where there's this kind of vibe when people get a travel show where they're just like, now I'm a television host. Yeah. Uh, that life's behind me. Like Anthony Bourdain isn't like, I'm a chef. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's Anthony Bourdain now. I'm a, just and a like, guy doing something else. Yeah, Speed Levitch is, like, very distinctly, like, I'm a tour guide. My <laughs> job is to do tours. And, like, the last episode of the season. And it, it's it was one season that they made in 2012. It's never coming back. This money <laughs> is long spent for him. Yeah. Um, but the last episode is him just, like, with, like, part of it is he's on one of those duck boats. And he's just talking to the guy about bathroom breaks and how important it is to find the right time to do a bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last season or last episode yeah, the last episode of the season yeah is is him just talking to people about the trade <laughs> that's insane <laughs> it's really really wild <laughs> um all right yeah well, to, have, to have like laid yourself bare and like just to be like i'm not cool this isn't right. cool <laughs> Well, there's no such thing as cool. He doesn't seem like a person who, yeah, who who really has a conception of that. He's just like, there's beauty all around you, and I'm like dying for you to understand that. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't care if that's lame or yeah, exactly or cool. And then so so I watch this as a counterbalance to pretend it's a city because are you familiar with um, Fran Lebowitz at all? No, I've only recently started hearing her name uh, around. Mm-hmm. I guess because of this, is there is it a recent thing? Yeah, this just came out. Yeah, I this don't is know. Brand who, new. I don't know who this she's, person is. What does she do? She's like a um, she's like a a, a satirist. She's like a a humorist. Oh uh, no! <laughs> she like uh, she she is just famous for being in New York forever. Uh, right. Old Jewish woman who she wrote a book about New York called Metropolitan Life, and. Um, then like famously hasn't written anything for like 30 years and is just like professionally famous now. Um, okay. <laughs> and, and basically her whole thing is just, she's like a cranky old woman who just like is mad about New York stuff all the time. And so pretend it's a city is, is uh, Martin Scorsese interviewing her all over the place. They're like, it's kind of cool that like they walk around the, um, the panorama at the Queens museum, which is like a gigantic scale model of New York city. And so they'll oh, just, like, yeah. walk around this scale model, and she's, like, gigantic among it, just talking about, like, people doing, like, people doing yoga on the street. It's disgusting. You don't do that in New York. <laughs> you know, it's, like, that sort of thing. People <laughs> like, having really strong opinions about dog shit things that don't yeah, matter. Yeah, exactly. She's like, New York is a place for unhealthy people, okay? Like, this is a place <laughs> where people come to hurt themselves. It's not a place where people come to be well. <laughs> and, like, that's kind of, like, the vibe of her humor. And, yeah. and it's just so interesting to see like this counterbalance of like Fran Lebowitz's tiny New York, where it's like, this is like New York can only be the thing that I say it is. Yeah. And my experience of it as somebody who lives in Tribeca, who has never left that area ever, who like still (laughs) thinks of New York as the place where like Andy Warhol had his art factory and whatever, like my version of New York is the New York that I represent. And then Speed Levitch's New York that's just like big flower eyes where <laughs> everything is just like, look at the Chrysler building. <laughs> she beckons you with delight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I find that very insufferable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Fran Lebowitz thing. Uh, maybe she's interesting. But she's I- funny. She's very funny uh, at times, but she's very much like she. You'd be annoyed by her because she is annoying, and like okay. her her <laughs> on purpose opinions are annoying. <laughs> Um, but I want to watch the cruise uh, when it starts to get warmer and we get closer to like being able to go outside again because and, and it's going to feel so good to like be ready to go out and like start living in a city again and then just like watch Speed talk about New York for an hour and a half. <laughs> and then go do it. Yeah. We should try to get him on the show. He's not like a big deal. He has like 2,000 Twitter followers. <laughs> What? I would love to just we like both watch have more f- Twitter followers. We should watch than him? Goodfellas with him. <laughs> <laughs> just Do you something know who like Nelson Sullivan is. No, he does all of these weird videos of like in like the eighties and nineties of like New York. Like he was mm-hmm. like some. He's just like some gay guy who was like living in New York. Uh, and then just like uploaded hours and hours of VHS tape of him and his friends just like walking around, um, and it ruled. <laughs> um, Nathan Sullivan, his 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 YouTube is Five Ninth Avenue Project, um, and it's just like someone someone showed it to me because I apparently look just like this woman who invented oh, yes. Manic Panic. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, um, that 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 guy who does the um those videos he has like just hours and hours of like we're just going to uh get pop tarts at the store and then he's just like filming nonsense but it's amazing (laughs) um so i like that kind of new york i i I think i think the fetishism um, for the past is very strange because it's like mm -hmm. new york was great and terrible just like every other place in america in an right. interesting way, and I like to know about the history of it, but like being like, uh, it's actually the only one that counts, and the present doesn't make matter yeah. or isn't real. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I love the the title, Pretend It's a City, is fantastic, and it comes about in like a monologue where she's talking about just like kind of the vibe when you're around tourists and like the, that they just don't seem to know what to do. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> and, and my advice to them always, anybody visiting New York is, Pretend it's a city. Just <laughs> pretend it's a place where people live. <laughs> That's funny. Maybe I'll check it out and I'll tell I'll tell you if it's annoying. <laughs> it's it's definitely annoying. I can promise you it's annoying, but it's it's still it's still interesting enough. Um, cool. and it's fun to hear somebody talk uh in a fun way. Uh but Speaking of New York, yeah, I guess. We should get to the movie. <laughs> we should get to the movie. This is our um our one and only attempt, I believe, to be timely and to talk about <laughs> yeah, something we'll as it's happening. Yeah, we'll never do this again. <laughs> Probably never again. Or if it's successful, we'll do this all the time. Right. And this will be like the annoying thing that we do where you're like, ugh, what's the movie going to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week, um, stock market news happened. As you know, and you probably heard ad nauseum, GameStop stock market was spiked uh, just to spite short sellers. And so we thought, why not do a movie about uh, shorting stocks? Um, and so we watched Adam McKay's movie. 2015 the biographical comedy drama, The Big Short. The Big Short, starring Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell 
and a bunch of other very funny people um, who are pretty funny in this movie. I think one of the best things about this movie is that it's pretty funny. So really quickly, I think you can wrap this movie up in it is a story about a bunch of hedge fund freaks who realize that the housing, the the 2008 financial collapse is about to happen. Uh, One of them is Christian Bale, who is... uh, our favorite trope in movies of autistic nerd who is absolutely crippled in every part of his life, except he's also a genius and epic, amazing person. (laughs) Yeah. It's well, it's, it's a special like sub genre of there's already like magical autism is like a, as a movie trope, but then this is a sub genre of magical autism. That's also like, like big dick swag, magical autism (laughs) where like every time like Christian Bale, like gets something right. They like, play rap behind him with big beats and he like swaggers <laughs> in and out of rooms and like everybody's like oh my god i can't believe this idiot thinks yeah. the housing market's gonna crash. well it's like everyone thinks he's like some sort of like freak but they mm-hmm. all know he's a genius and then everyone always doubts him at every turn um it's yeah so he's like the main guy who figures it out by like reading all of the stuff in a sort of like goofy autistic way and then uh ryan gosling finds out about it and he's a guy who works at deutsche bank yeah Um, he overhears some people from the bank that christian bale is like working with to 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 make this deal happen he he overhears some people talking about it being like what an asshole he bet against housing and then he's like oh maybe that's a good idea maybe i should do that too." let me find out about it he finds he hears it and then he does that too um and then because he's trying to do it, he doesn't have, he can't do it within Deutsche Bank. He's an employee of Deutsche Bank. So he goes, he goes to a bunch of different hedge funds to try and short the housing market. Um, and he lands on Steve Carell's hedge fund, who Steve Carell's a hedge fund manager with a heart of gold, who, yeah, who hates <laughs> uh, the banks, who hates the banks for some reason, but got into every, um, and then, uh, him and his team of ragtag goofuses, they help Ryan Gosling. They all short it together. And then uh, unexplained, they they make up a dumb like movie reason, which they tell you to the camera that that's not really what happened. These other oh, yeah. two Jewish kids uh, who are friends with Brad Pitt, who's like an ex-banker, um, they also hear about it and they also do it. Um, yeah, they make it up, I guess, because the real version of it is just kind of like not interesting to show on a movie because <laughs> they're just like, yeah, in real life, I just like heard about it or something. Yeah, like, some friend told him about it. And like, yeah, well, it's like, how did he know? Because the movie wants you to believe that no one knows, like yeah. no one knows anything about this. No one thinks that there's any writing on the wall. And these people are absolute geniuses. Uh, and like extra yeah. sensory perspective, like people. Because I mean, I, they're trying to illustrate a broader point, I guess, which is right. that like at large, nobody knew this was coming and everybody was asleep at the wheel. In reality, you know, the number of people who got it right are bigger than this. Like it's <laughs> not just these three groups. And uh, I would argue one of the failing points of the movie for me, one of, or at least, I would say a failing point at least, but like, one of the sadder things about the movie for me is that like the group of people who got it right are more diverse than is shown. Yeah. (laughs) There's an interesting, uh, uh, lack of, uh, one woman in particular who got it very right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm interested in the fact that like everybody in this is a, is, is a white guy. 
uh-huh. even though one of the most famously, uh, you know, the people, one of the people who most famously made money off of it was a woman. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't think um, I knew that. Yeah, it's a it's a big part of the book too. Oh yeah. Oh um, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. I have read the book. I read it back when it came out and I fucking don't remember most of it because it's a very technical book and not really a it's barely like a pop uh because a lot of like the nonfiction books that get really popular are like sort of written as narratives. But this that book was written very technically, if if I right. recall. Um so I forget a lot of it. I've also watched the movie Inside Job, which is basically mm-hmm. just all of that information in a two-hour package, like three or four times. It's all very complicated when you get into the details, but the big strokes of it were shown pretty well, I think, in in the movie The Big Short. And yeah. like they basically all short it. They basically they make the banks invent a financial instrument that is like you basically buy insurance on the the mortgage company and if the mortgage mortgage company dies you get a payout and you right. have to pay premiums every year like a regular life insurance policy um so the more the more money you get paid out if the mortgage companies fail the more your premiums are and so uh they basically bought those uh, products, those uh, uh, credit swaps is what they're called. Um, And then at the beginning of 2007 in the movie, the mortgage, the whole mortgage industry starts to fail, but nothing is happening because of something even more complicated called CDOs, which I think is very well explained in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and the credit ratings, don't move because it's all a scam, <laughs> which is a later right. revealed. It and does a very good job of of showing you this idea of like anybody looking at it close enough can see like things are starting to crack. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a famous story about um, the Williamsburg Bridge, where mm. over decades the bridge looked totally normal, and everybody is looking at it and they're just like, yeah great looking bridge. bridge love that it's, bridge that's the bridge it's big know? and red i yeah. like riding a bike across it and you know nobody thought there was anything wrong with it and they're just like it's fine it's the bridge and then one day just like somebody went into a part of it where like nobody really goes there's like an interior section that somebody went into and they were just like holy shit there's gigantic cracks in here yeah this thing could fall at literally any second mm-hmm. because nobody had thought to look in this one little area and what had happened was like bridges have like um all the bolts that hold them together are in a hole that's slightly bigger than the bolt right because when it gets hot you know the metal expands and when it gets cold it contracts so you need to give it a little bit of give because if you don't give it a little bit of give then it'll you know eventually break because it has nowhere to move but the problem that nobody had considered in this bridge design was that you need to go in there and clean those out because garbage and dust and debris and shit gets caught in that little space. And so nobody had ever done that. And (laughs) so, because nobody considered it before because bridges were, you know, they were an invention of the last century and this was happening in like the sixties or seventies. And so they go in there and they see like, Oh shit, wait, there's all this shit in there and it's not letting it move. And the thing is cracking and Oh fuck. (laughs) What are we going to do? What do we do? And they had to like basically close half the bridge at a time. And it took like almost a decade to fix. Yeah. They had to close half the bridge at a time to fix like one side and then close that side and then fix the other side. 
And anyway, the point is, this is such a good illustration of of what was happening with like the mortgages. Is that like if you looked at it up close, you're just like, yeah, this is great. You know, like everything is working as it's supposed to. People are getting mortgages. This is great. Like, right. Home ownership is up. That's good for the economy. People like to see home ownership up. But then the moment you look at it closer, you're like, no, wait, what? <laughs> and 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 the people, you know, the the people in the in the high up financial institutions are looking at it and they're like, well, you know, if We're we just paint money. over it red again, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you don't see the cracks, and then maybe it keeps on going until we retire mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so at the end so basically that's that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is the middle of part where 2007 starts happening everything is going wrong and then they're all just panicking because they're like why isn't the market going down like why aren't we winning um, right. and then they realize like the corruption and cheating and the rig the system is rigged in a le- in a way that they didn't even realize it could be and then they discover that even more and then it really all does fall apart. Um, and then they, Christian Bale cashes out right at the top um, and gets a, a billion dollars. Um, the the kids and, and Brad Pitt, you know, get they a, make like 80 million. 80 million I think, um, I think of, Christian Bale did 1.8, as it were. 1.8 billion. Okay. And then, um, and then. Carell waits until the last, last second. Yeah. He, the very last second before it would basically not basically uh, start going back up or something. Um, I think the idea is that like the economy was just, the, the economy was just crashing and they're just like, it's, it's now or never because he's going to go back to zero because everyone's going to get bailed out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they can just, you know, the, like the, the thing that, you know, their, their failure is the, is the thing that's valuable. <laughs> Right. So if they stop failing, then this stops being valuable. And so he's like, all right, fine, fuck it, sell it. And yeah. they make a billion dollars. And that's seen as like a loss. <laughs> well, he, yeah. well, he's sad. He feels weird about it. And I think the thing about it is that Steve Carell's character. So if you've noticed, we've talked a lot about what happens in the actual 2008 financial collapse and what happened to these groups of people and not really about the movie because the movie (laughs) is um a creative way of explaining it to you with a few very shitty things that are like quote unquote characters like ryan gosling's character is like a huge douchebag who's fun to watch because it's ryan gosling Mm -hmm. steve carell is a huge douchebag who is like kind of funny because it's steve carell but he's just a big asshole who everyone dislikes and there's a lot of like aaron sorkin fast talky stuff but it's all kind of in service of explaining what's happening because the because it really was so confusing to people 2008 shit was just happening and people didn't really understand what was going on until they're you know they're either homeless yeah or, <laughs> or like their 401k was worthless their pension was gone like they didn't like no one understood what was happening it took many years for for like the you know occupy wall street didn't happen until like 2010 2011 because right. it like took years for people to be like wait what the fuck happened and who's right. at fault for this and why has nobody been punished um and so the thing about making a movie about that is Adam McKay tries to make these characters somewhat likable, um, even though they're all, he 
portrays them all as like broken assholes. <laughs> um, yeah. Christian Bale is barely a character. He's just a guy in a room who like sees the sees the patterns. Uh, Ryan Gosling is a a funny asshole. Um, and then Brad Pitt is a. They're all weirdos. Um, but I, it almost to me feels like it's not necessary to have really done any of this. It's basically a docu. It's like a heightened documentary. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say I kind of think that one of the one of the negatives to this movie for me. I mean, I'd say I have two big negatives, right? Okay. One of them is that I think that McKay is too... He goes too light on his characters. Yes. Like, I think that he's too easy on them. Yes. Where, like, this whole movie is about them trying to profit off of a financial collapse. They all know it's coming. And, like, obviously there's nothing they can do about it. That's right. part of, like, the irony of this all is that they're watching this car crash happen and there's nothing they can do to stop it. And so you're kind of like, well, sure. I mean, if there's nothing you can do to stop it, I guess why not try to make a little money off of it? But it's really, it's, it's, he doesn't do enough, I think, to like really portray the fact that like these people are trying to make money off of catastrophe. And like yeah. that is, you know, like Steve Carell can hate the banks all he wants, but what he's doing is profiting off of human misery. And that's 100% what this is. Right. And I think what's, you know, it's really hard because I think a lot of people would say, and I completely agree. I think a lot of people would say like, well, if you make the main character of your story, these people, they're going to come off as cool. And I would mm -hmm. say that's entirely wrong because there's tons of movies where the main character is a huge idiot who you hate, like uncut gems. No one right. thinks Adam Sandler is like a cool guy, even though right. he's winning. <laughs> like he wins. Yeah. But like at the end, you're like, yeah, you dumbass. Of course you deserve to fucking die. Yeah, you know of what I course mean? this happened. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you can make a movie where you have sleazeball assholes who do win and aren't lovable, cool people. And Adam McKay does not know how to do that. And that's he very, doesn't. It's very, it's very apparent. It's, by it's, fucking it's, Vice, <laughs> which is a movie about one of the most evil soulless freaks in human history who like still kind of comes off as a regular guy yes absolutely and i was gonna say too that like the big f the the big problem with this is that it's like he does at the end he does have them all like reflect on the damage and whatever and like christian bale's like i actually i quit i don't want to do this anymore i'm miserable right. and like steve carell is like you know they're gonna blame this on the poor people and the immigrants and like the kids are like fuck finance we're out of here you yeah. know it, it, Sure, you know, you get that. But then at the end, you you have these little, like, um, these little text snippets to show, like, what everybody went on yeah, to do. Who, <laughs> who the fuck cares? These people are bad. <laughs> so then the other thing I was going to say is a big failure of this movie, and this is probably the worst for me, mm -hmm. is that it really glosses over the human suffering in a pretty substantial way. Literally, there's, like, one guy you see who's lost his house for, like, one scene, and then he's in a montage. Yeah, and then they do a, like, they do a cutaway thing during... There's one really cool part that I actually really like, and I kind of wish they did this through the whole movie. I kind of wish mm -hmm. uh, they got a little arts here with it. There's a scene where all the people are uh, being chased out of um, uh, Bear Stearns, maybe it was. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're being chased or out Lehman of some Brothers. Lehman, Lehman Brothers. Brothers. They're being chased out of Lehman Brothers, and they're all just like, "I've been here forty years, and this is how you fucking treat me. Fuck you!" And they're all being like, you know, fired and whatever. And the kids are trying to go in to see what the office looks like because they never got to get inside when they were pitching. 
And then as you're watching all these people crying and leaving their job, they flash scenes of real life people losing their homes and people yeah. like lining up for, for food distribution and stuff. And I was like, that's really powerful. There should have been. I kind of wish they did that through the whole movie. I kind of wish every time something happened, they were like, by the way, flash, flash, <laughs> flash, flash, just in case you're feeling bad for anybody. Flash, flash, flash. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think the thing with Adam McKay is that he seems to have a good head on his shoulders and a good heart. Mm-hmm. But his foundation, I think, becomes incredibly apparent in the very end of the movie when Steve Carell saves all of his or sells all of his stock. And then Ryan Gosling's voiceover starts saying. And uh, and Steve Carell was wrong, actually. They did arrest the bankers and they regulated Wall Street yeah. and then like. He he lies and he's saying all of the stuff that he thinks should happen or the audience thinks should happen, which is just like the government prosecutes the bankers. And right. it's like, if that's all you think that can happen, you are going to make insanely bad decisions about <laughs> morality because you can't think outside of the system. Right. Um, and obviously, like, he seems like someone who's probably a bernie guy or something like maybe maybe like maybe at worst realistically realistically he's probably a um uh what's her name warren warren yeah, yeah. he might be tricked by i literally warren. was about to call her <laughs> i was trying so hard to access her name and i was like don't say it don't, <laughs> don't say, say Pocahontas. don't say sacagawea <laughs> Uh, so, (laughs) but yeah, Adam McKay is a, you know, Hollywood liberal. And so while he is pretty, like, here's the thing. I remember making my friends watch Inside Job multiple, Mm -hmm. because that, that, that documentary came out. It's by the guy who did No End in Sight. And it's like literally just a PowerPoint presentation. It's voiced by Matt Damon and has some nice, like, flyover shots of New York and stuff. But like, it's really just a fucking like, here's what a CDO is. Here's what the SEC does. It's like, it's a blast of information and it's really hard to absorb all of it. It's pretty confusing. Right. And so I would suggest Dude, even if- this with like, this movie had a lot of cutaways to like specifically be like, here's what this thing is. <laughs> Let me walk you explain. through it. Yeah. So even Gomez with those <laughs> parts, it still is like, I don't know some of this shit. I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I literally don't know anybody in my life who has read more about this than me. Like, I <laughs> I have obsessed, like, do you know what the Liber scandal is? No. Okay. I don't know anyone else who knows what the Liber scandal is. <laughs> uh, and even I have a trouble explaining it because it's so fucking stupid. And it's right. like one of the it's way worse than the 2008 financial collapse. Like what they did is worse like mm-hmm. by far and no one knows that it is <laughs> um and i this is the whole thing about all of this is that we're looking at a system that is purposefully obfuscatory and purposefully confusing so that you don't question it so that you and un- you think that these people are like they understand it the way priests understand god you know right. what I mean? They have they are geniuses who are controlling things and they must know all of the things. That is like the 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 story that Wall Street 
rests on. So it is very complicated. They purposefully make it complicated and call things a lot of other things. Well, yeah, and you the best scene in this for explaining this sort of thing just conceptually is the um, Selena Gomez scene yeah. where she's like doing the bet and then people bet on the outcome of that bet and then someone bets on the outcome of that bet that's about that bet and so on and so forth. And you're like, and that's how you turn this bet of $10 into the value of a billion dollars yeah. because a billion dollars <laughs> of transactions are relying on a $10 bet. And then you they, know, if she loses, they all fucking fail. <laughs> right. But that that in and of itself, just, just even setting up to that point, you're just like, how the fuck did we let like economics get to a place where like we're betting on betting on betting on betting on betting and all these things are so far removed from anything of any actual value like value doesn't exist in any of these transactions anymore and that's why i mean the whole thing has become this very like separated thing from politics and that was like a specific um plan of like people at in power who are like right. separating things out in the Ivy Leagues of like, well, politics and economics are separate degrees. They're separate classes. And you're not supposed to like think of them as the same. You, right. know, you know what I mean? Like sociology and law. It's different. It's not the same as economics. And so that's why you have people tweeting about na- the GameStop thing. It's like I've worked in, you know, writing about the economy for 40 years and I don't understand what's going on right. <laughs> because they're like so removed from what is actually happening, which is a bunch of people who are in a club who all went to the Ivy Leagues just cheating and just yes. taking money from you. That's Absolutely. the whole point of it. This is the most fascinating thing that's ever happened in 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 politics for me like is just watching this GameStop thing happen and you're just like (laughs) I don't know how anybody is coming out the other end because it's not over yet no we're on the weekend right now they're lucky that that like the market like works on such a whack little schedule where it's just like only (laughs) from opening to close on weekdays this is happening again on Monday like when you're listening to this this shit's still going on I guarantee you by the time you were listening to this GameStop is still you know, above $200 a share. I bet you anything. And this is going to keep going and going and going. And (laughs) I don't know how anybody comes out the other side of this thing, not red pilled by just like every (laughs) single additional day that they talk about this is worse and worse for like the way that we've structured capitalism right now. Right. And the important thing about the GameStop, as opposed to the 2008 financial collapse is that it's easy to understand Mm-hmm. Like the LIBOR number. Let me quickly explain to you what the LIBOR number is. Yeah, wait, wait. So I wanted to say <laughs> I, I just Googled it so I could read about it after. Uh-huh. And um, under on the Wikipedia page on the right, there's a little thing that says scale of the scandal. <laughs> and under it says this dwarfs by orders of magnitude any financial scam in the history of markets. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's everything. It, the the underlying okay so the way planet money explained it back in 2012 when i was obsessed with it was there's a thing you know how there's a kilogram in like in in a glass case and it's like this is the kilogram and this is how much a kilogram weighs and right, this is yes. how we measure everything there's a thing like that in e- economics called the liber number and what mm. they do is every morning every bank reports a number of what the interest rate upon which they trade to themselves is. And like, that's the number, whatever the number it's published in every paper, every like money paper, you know, Mm. the wall street journal every day publishes the, publishes the library number. And that's the interest rate um, of how much it is to 
to uh, to trade between banks, interbank transfers. Okay. So just just that is already insane because it's like, well, how is it established? You'd think there's some like big formula of like everything, but it's really just the bank just says a number. Uh-huh. They say this is what we think is fair on the interest rate. This is what I would if I was doing transfers. That's already stupid. That's already how it works. What the LIBOR scandal was is that every single day they were saying, they were emailing each other saying, hey, I'd like uh, the the LIBOR number today to be this. Can we make it this? <laughs> and then they were like, sure, that sounds good. Please fix it to 5.3 today. Thank you. Which is insanely illegal. <laughs> right. And just price fixing. But that affected literally every fucking transaction in the whole world. <laughs> uh-huh. And they were just like making millions of dollars every day <laughs> because they were changing it since 1991. And when and did this, when did we? 2012 do? was when it came out and no oh one God. fucking cared. <laughs> it was, I felt like I was going fucking crazy because nobody even, I, no one would even listen to me talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so in the weeds and it's like, it's one of those things that you know to be true in your heart where yeah. you're like, you're like, I get the idea of value, right? Like the GameStop thing is easy to understand because you're like, I get it. Like the, yeah. the hedge fund people need those shares back. They need those shares to be on the market so they can buy them, you know, because they need to give them back because they borrowed them, right? I was explaining it to somebody in the Discord uh, with Uncut Gems, as it were. I thought Uncut Gems is a perfect, it's a perfect allegory for what's happening, right? At the beginning, Howard borrows the ring from Kevin Garnett. He pawns it. He uses the money from the pawn to go gamble. He makes the money from gambling. He pays to get the ring back. He gives it back to Kevin Garnett. And so imagining that happens every single day. And then somewhere in the middle of that, somebody takes the ring from Howard. And so now he can't give it back to Kevin Garnett. So he needs to get that ring back so that Kevin Garnett doesn't murder him, you know? And (laughs) so he will pay anything for that ring, you know? And so the value of the ring is set by the people who have the ring. Makes perfect sense why GameStop is worth a lot, right? Right. But then once you're like, but then like who's setting like it in relation to other stuff? Like what what sets the value of the dollar? Like what sets the value of of who like who ordains who sets the value of the dollar? All these things. Once you ask enough questions, you're just like, but where does it end? Like what is the one thing that makes value? Like because there's not gold anymore. No, you know it's not that. So it's what is currency. actually it's just saying? Made up. Yeah. And this is what what really like makes me so frustrated is that the government is in control. Like everyone knows that Wall Street is a, like in their heart they know that it's all fake and they're all just stealing money. But the government wants that and the government benefits off of that and the Fed like creates interest rate just the same. You know what I mean? As as the yeah. LIBOR number, it's all just made up and the government isn't going to go after any of these people for doing something illegal, even though they do it all of the time, unless they're not in the club and people on Reddit aren't in the fucking club. Right. (laughs) And that's why it's like, wait, why can't we win though? And so everybody who's out there, who's like, I'm going to be a millionaire by playing the stock market and hanging out on Reddit, find themselves winning. And then the house, the fucking casino that the wall street is, is like, actually, no, it's not 21 anymore. It's 23. Right, exactly. Because what's <laughs> happening right now is is 
it's no longer like a win or lose thing. Like now it's an existential question where it's like if the Reddit people win, it kind of is just like what continues to like like the 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 hedge fund is is so far in debt now if they have to buy all those GameStop shares back, they're so far in debt that they'd have to go to their creditors and the creditors would have to go to their creditors' creditors. They're in the hole for billions of dollars. Like yeah. we're talking about <laughs> amounts of money that are talked about in the big short. Like yeah. when they talk about like at the end, when they're talking about where Goldman is at in terms of like how much they're looking to lose off of the, the housing market crash, they're talking about numbers that are very similar to what you're looking at from a hedge fund. billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah, and the hedge fund is not a bank. A hedge yeah. <laughs> fund is a small company. <laughs> you know, like it was a huge win for for um for Christian Bale to get one point eight billion dollars. That was a huge win, one that they made a movie about. You right. know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And and these hedge funds are looking to lose like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen billion dollars on GameStop. Yeah, and then it would be dispersed among all of these fucking Reddit nerds, and they're yes. not going to let that happen. No, but that's the thing is, even if it's not <laughs> going to be dispersed among the Reddit nerds, because that money doesn't exist, because what is happening right now is an <laughs> existential question, right. where it's like, they can't win, because if they win, it's over. Like, you can't give that money to the Reddit people, because the money doesn't exist, and so you're going to keep going up and up and up the chain until eventually, like, you get to the curtain and you pull it, and it's the old man with, like, all the, you know, with all those strings and the gears <laughs> and whatever, yeah. and you're like, wait a second, the money was never real. Why are these people rich if the money's not real? Yeah. And they're like, well, actually, rich is just something that we decide people are. It's not actually about anything. That's actually absolutely true. Just like if you if you somehow beat the casino at a real casino yeah. and you won $6 million at a casino or something, they'd be like, well, we can't give it to you all now. Like they take you in a back room and like have right. to like talk to you. They would assume mm-hmm. you cheated. You know what I mean? Like you're not yeah, allowed the, to actually win. <laughs> the fantasy of Ocean's Eleven is that there's money in the safe. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and but even in that movie, they're like, well, there's not all the money you'd think there are, but we're going to take all of that they do have. Right. But like the fantasy of this is that like you could actually win all of that money. <laughs> yeah. And that they would have it and give it to you. What's yeah. amazing about the big short and I think it's important to mention is that the reason you know these guys didn't actually threaten anybody's powers that they won and right. they actually did get the money because uh-huh. they're fucking hedge fund managers <laughs> and yeah. like even Steve Carell was owned by Morgan Stanley. Mm-hmm. Like he and they was- didn't make as much money as they thought they were going to make because ultimately like the whole economy crashed. It's not just the housing market that crashed, the world crashed, right. you know, so they didn't make as much money as they thought they were going to make because a lot of the financial institutions that were backing their money to begin with crashed. So, you know, <laughs> what they could have made way more than a billion dollars. Yeah. But that money didn't exist anymore. That's right. So, um, it, you know, just to talk about the movie a little more, uh, I, I, I think that the movie does a good a pretty dang good job of explaining the 2008 financial collapse and why these people were able to find out and, and win what they won mm-hmm. in terms of betting against the economy. And there's a few, like you said, there's a few things where like Brad Pitt turns basically to the camera and it's like, you can't dance to this. Like yeah. we even, I know I'm making a movie. Like they try to meta do it. Like they said, like you can't dance to this because people are going to, for every 1% of, uh, 
Oh yeah, for every unemployment, um, it's forty thousand yeah, unemployment deaths. is forty thousand deaths, and like that's a crazy statistic. And it's like they try to tell you the, how grave this is, and like yeah, we're trying to make money off of it because what else is there to do? Because we're in this shitty system and we can't fix it. But uh, Adam McKay and I think the uh, his his lackingness as a filmmaker is the most apparent in the scene in which Steve Carell finally breaks down. Mm-hmm. where it's just like fast cuts of like silence. It's like a montage scene, <laughs> like yeah. the, the emotional point of the movie that this character is having where he's like full of guilt and feels bad about his brother dying is like out of order and like looks like a, all of a sudden becomes like a t- made for TV movie where he's just like, it's like a YouTube montage of the scene because uh, he doesn't know how to do it. He's too afraid of like actually showing any emotion. He just wants yeah, to so have I was this say, like is, is Adam McKay is a huge pussy. That's kind of what I come out of this <laughs> thinking is yeah. like he's just a massive coward who if this was a real movie, if this is a real movie, the ending would be before they, you know, get to walk away with their big money or whatever, like it would close with them coming home from the conference being like, holy shit, no, it's so much worse than we thought it was going to be. This is so bad what's about to happen. We didn't realize how bad it was going to be, but it's going to be really fucking bad. Oh my God, I need to be with my family. Yeah. And then going to be with their family, and then it's like they turn on the news and it's just like, you know, market collapse, and then it just turns into the end of... um uh, Dr. Strangelove and it's <laughs> yeah, just, just like we'll just meet fucking... again plays over people being like torn from their homes and like you know lining up for bread lines and like just like horrific scenes of poverty being and then like none of this bullshit where it's like and then the bankers were prosecuted just kidding it's America <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing is that like you, you mentioned people being torn from their homes a thing that happened by police like yeah. this wasn't it wasn't just that they bailed at the banks and didn't prosecute them it was that everything fell on people who had nothing to do with it and people were made homeless by America yeah Not, like, like they you know, if we had a system where housing wasn't a commodity, <laughs> like right. that is never addressed. Like yes, the uh-huh. concept that your house costs money and that water costs money, they make some like little side thing about how the Christian Bale character is now like focused on what's happening with water as a commodity, which right. is like supposed to be like doom. Like a woo spooky. What happens gonna happen with the water market? It's like at the end of Thank You for Smoking when the guy goes on to work for the cell phone people being like, it doesn't give yeah. you brain cancer. <laughs> burn in or burn end of movie. <laughs> yeah. But it's like are you even questioning that? Like, are you saying water shouldn't be a commodity and therefore housing shouldn't be a commodity? Like, why don't you sell your audience that? Cause you fucking right. sat down and talked to them like little children about what happened for the whole movie. But now you're saying like, you better figure out what else to do. You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> like, kind of the thing, right? Is that it's like it, what's lacking in this movie is perspective. What's lacking yeah. in this movie is, is, is a point of view because what it's doing is explaining what happened to you. And it does say it's bad, but that's not exactly like an unpopular stance, yeah. you know, to say like, Oh man, it was bad that the housing market crashed. <laughs> that's like give me something financial. a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, it was and bad. What should and we do about what? It? Yeah, exactly. And I think so. Yeah, I, the movie is enjoyable, though. 
like it's a fun movie. Yeah, I'd say it's a good movie. It's it's pretty enjoyable still. It's it, everybody's very good in it. Like the the performances are fantastic. But I'm being a little hard on it because I think it gets I think Adam McKay gets a lot of a lot of credit and not mm-hmm. a lot of uh not a lot of criticism because he's bare minimum just calling obvious bad things bad. Yeah. And people are like, "Well, he's a filmmaker and so, you know, you can't be too hard on him." But I think it's really important to recognize that like there's a lot more that absolutely needs to be said about the what, the reason this happened mm-hmm. that the movie is too scared to say that he wouldn't yeah, be allowed the, to say. This is the ultimate like backwards baseball cap newly woke guy character <laughs> movie. I love that. Where guy. it's like it's it's literally just like, hey guys, uh, unpopular opinion here, but the the financial crash was bad. Yeah, you know Occupy what I mean? like, Wall Street was good. <laughs> Occupy Wall Street was good. I think we should have prosecuted the bankers who did the financial crisis. Yeah, <laughs> the thing that basically radicalized everyone who was even yeah. a little bit radical. So I I, I think that, you know, the thing um, this movie really made me think about was why aren't there more communist celebrities? Why isn't there? Mm -hmm. Why isn't there one? Like Boots Riley, like, isn't really a celebrity. But like, you know, there's all these people who like Brad Pitt and Matt Damon and people who like lend their voiceovers to like, you know, supposedly doing good stuff, but why isn't right. there one person who understands? And I think the oh, answer because is... because I can tell you exactly. Can I give you the answer? <laughs> Go ahead. It's right here on the Wikipedia page, actually. It's um, budget 50 million, <laughs> yeah. box office 133.4 million. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because they're in the fucking club and you're not allowed to not be in the club. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not allowed to make a movie like this and be like, I think that capitalism should die. Yeah. You um, can't end this like capitalism, a love story. Like right. you can't end it with the Michael Moore monologue saying like you can't reform capitalism. It's evil. It just has to be destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I mean you should, but and as, unless you're saying that, unless that's your point and that's how you end your movie, I'm not going to give you credit for it. Like yeah, good, you don't get points. Yeah, good job explaining something very complicated, but politically this movie is incredibly lacking. Yeah, this is this is limp dicked sort of shit. Yeah, so. That's our whole spiel about... I'd still recommend it. it look, Honestly, it, I'd still recommend it. It's a good movie. It's enjoyable. A, it, I would, too. I mean, it's an enjoyable movie, and it... But it's extremely flaccid yeah. uh, in terms of uh, actual critique. If you can't sit still for two and a half hours while Matt Damon, like, rattles off statistics at you, which, again, highly recommend you actually do watch inside job if you don't understand oh i was gonna say i was gonna say i know it feels like it but matt damon's not in this movie (laughs) no 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 (laughs) matt damon uh he does the narration for a movie called inside job which is a straight up like documentary about this is what happened and like they like interview a bunch of like talking heads and stuff um but if you can't get your head around that and it's like too boring, like this is a great option to like show your parents or something. Yeah. And I think it, it is nice to like set someone off on a like, well, this is clearly bad and getting to ask questions. And it's just a fun movie. Steve Carell's great. Ryan Gosling is very funny. I love Steve Carell's whole like team. The Vinny guy is really funny. Yeah, like, Vinny guy is fantastic. He's on Succession. He's really good. Adam McKay is funny. I think he's a good, funny director. Like he's yeah. he's made very funny movies, and he's competent and and does a good job. So yeah, it's a good movie. It it uh, I would re- absolutely recommend watching it, especially if you don't understand the me- mechanism. But 
yeah, those are my criticisms. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, to Generation Loss this week. Uh, please don't lose your shirt in uh, the stock market. It is a casino, yeah. and they're not going to let you win. They're not going to let you win. Only put money into <laughs> it if you're doing it with the explicit purpose of hurting people. That's and the only just, reason to put money in. Right. And and you have money to lose. You um, have the money to lose. Don't put money in that you can't lose. Uh, and don't, don't go too heavy-handed on radicalizing people from this. They're doing it to themselves. Just sit back and watch. The people who win on this are not going to become communists. No, the people who lose will. And everybody's (laughs) going to lose. So trust. Or they'll hate Jews or something. Let people. Nope, 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 nope. I'm promising you right now. People who lose on this, they're not going to become maybe communists, but they're going to become at least Occupy people. And then there's a pipeline, you know, and the pipeline is important. You know, it's a funnel and you got to get people to the bottom of the funnel. But you want to get them to the bottom? You got to start at the top. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Generation Loss. We love you very much. Please uh check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash generation loss, where we do bonus episodes where we get even more into the weeds of things that are barely moving. <laughs> um and uh you can follow me at Kinomatography, listen to my other show, Beep Beep Lettuce. Uh follow uh and and twitch.tv slash dullcare. Follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder, listen to his other show, Ballin' Out Super youtube.com jeremy thunder um and i think that's all we'll see you in the discord see you in the discord bye we'll meet again don't know where don't know when but i know we'll meet again some sunny day Keep smiling through Just like you Always do Till the blue skies drive The dark clouds Far away And will you please say hello To the folks that I know Tell them that I won't be long And they'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song. We'll meet again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. again. I don't know where and I don't know when, but I do know that we'll meet again some sunny day.